Hi, my name is James Keach, and I'm the director producer of Linda and the Mockingbirds. In the 80s with the canciones de mi padre, in the Mexican community, Linda's music was an enormous source of pride for people. It brought me a lot of hope. Because I was light-skinned and with a German surname, people didn't suspect that I was Mexican, and they'd make some kind of anti-Mexican remark. They'd go, well, these greasers coming in here, you know, and I'd always get pretty hot about it. Linda invited our group, Los Ensofles, to join her going to Mexico. We're going to play music. This is music that comes from years ago, and we're bringing it back alive, and it's still alive. The kids growing up in the United States, they're Americans. It's important that they know that we're all immigrants, every one of us that isn't native. I could see the value of a trip to go down for musical purposes, for a musical exchange. How'd you get Jackson to come? We asked him. <laughs> Look, if Linda Ronstadt invites you to go to Mexico, I don't need to know any more than that. It's, let's go. I remember one time, I was smaller than my sister. And they were gone, or my dad was gone. He had been detained. That was very scary. Ms. Waldo, what do you want for the country in your future? I want to see white people and Mexicans together. I want to see them talking to each other. That is the trailer for the documentary Linda and the Mockingbirds, and this is Factual America. Factual America is produced by Alamo Pictures, a production company specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for an international audience. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood, and every week we look at America through the lens of documentary filmmaking by interviewing filmmakers and experts on the American experience. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, to find out where you can see our films, and to connect with our team. Linda Ronstadt's singing career spanned five decades. A versatile and talented artist, she has won 10 Grammys, three American Music Awards, two Academy of Country Music Awards, and an Emmy. Along the way, she recorded the biggest-selling foreign-language album of all time. Now retired from singing, Linda continues to give back to the community, as captured by director and producer James Keach in Linda and the Mockingbirds. James joins us to share a side of Linda Ronstadt that few have seen, and in the process, his film captures the essence of Mexican-American culture and the immigrant experience. We caught up with James from his office in Culver City, California. James Keach, welcome to Factual America. James, how are things there with you in, uh, what is it, Culver City, California? Yeah, things are good. I mean, well, things are coronavirus good, you know. Yeah, it's all relative these days, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, yeah. Okay. Well, James, uh, thanks again for coming on to the Factual America podcast. Uh, The film, uh, we've just uh, heard a trailer for Linda and the Mockingbirds. Uh, which some are calling a follow-up to your uh, 
doc that you uh, produced, Linda Ronstead, The Sound of My Voice. So I think it's more than just a follow-up, I would say. Uh, I've seen Shout Studios has acquired it. Uh, when and where will it be released? Well, Shout Studios is going to release it all over the, all, all, on digital platforms. Okay. Yeah. And, and do we know yet, or is it just going to be, we, I think it's, is it on 20th, October 20th? October 20th, it'll be on Apple and Amazon, you know, all the, the, the regular suspects, it'll be so, wide. Okay, okay, that's, well, that's great news, because yeah. um, uh, this is definitely a film that I would highly recommend. I wanted to personally thank you so much for making this film as a, as some, a South Texan born and bred. I think this is a, uh, an excellent film. I know it's more focused on sort of California, Arizona, but it did bring back a lot of memories for me, so... So thank you so much. Where are you um, from? I'm originally from San Antonio. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'm probably about the same age. I'm gathering about one of your characters on there, Eugene Rod- Rodriguez, is it? Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, uh, I, think, um, I think it's a very, uh, well, I'll just cut to the chase. I think you capture uh, Mexican-American culture quite well in this film, but uh, Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, for those who haven't seen the film yet, because I think this podcast is going to get released just about the time uh, you go viral, hopefully. Uh, maybe give us a little synopsis of the film. Well, the film actually is about... The, the, Linda, Linda Ron said, when we were doing Sound of My Voice, uh, yeah. said, when asking, would you do an interview for the film? We need to do an interview in San Francisco. And she said, James, I'd rather not do an interview in San Francisco. I'd rather do an interview in Mexico. I said, in Mexico? She said, yes, I'm going with Eugene Rodriguez and Los Sensoles, a group that I've been supporting for years, to Bonamichi, where my grandfather came from. And we're taking 30 of his his uh, students who uh, are musicians and dancers and doing an exchange uh, with uh, uh, for Clorca group in, in Bonamichi and they, they would like somebody to film them and uh, I, that's where I'll do the interview for you I won't do it in San Francisco I'll do it in Bonamichi <laughs> I said okay and uh, so I thought I was going down there just to film the kids dancing and do an interview with Linda and it was about this time that the uh, uh, the president and, and uh, immigration was sounding off about murders and rapists and yeah. and all the stuff at the border. And I, I started hearing from Eugene Rodriguez the stories of some of the teachers that, uh, that were working with his group and that they had come across the border as children illegally, and now they were legal citizens. And I thought, wow, this, this would make a very – I'd like to interview them too. And it just started – the first day we shot was on the border and – it grew into a film. I had no idea that this movie was going to happen. And, and it, it just, uh, I was so upset with what I was hearing in, um, in the news about these, the, the, the marginalization that was occurring yeah. to these people that uh, um, I, I got very involved with their personal stories. And uh, the end result of it is a musical film about um, um, Mexican culture and the exchange program. And also, more importantly, it, it, it focuses on Linda Ronstadt and the fact that she was uh, a, a Mexican woman, but most people did not know that and, and some of the treatment that she had uh, as a young yeah. woman and yeah. her being marginalized. And uh, so 
anyway. I, I, there, I, and, and, and the rest is history. I mean, I think that's very interesting. Um, maybe one of the first uh, docs we've discussed that was so organic, if you will, that it didn't start off even as a project, really. It just kind of, it's, it sort of happened. Um, I mean, I'm about to ask you a question because I've, we've got an international audience and I, for you and me, it's probably sounds like I can't imagine you, I would be asking you this question, but maybe it's worth setting the stage for maybe some of our younger listeners to say, who is Linda Ronstadt? Well, Linda Ronstadt uh, in the 70s, 80s, 90s in, in America was one of the biggest musical stars and, and worldwide stars. And she was known for being a, a pop singer and singing great, great songs and, and yeah. songs that everybody would recognize. Few people knew that she was actually Mexican. And yeah. she, it, it, towards the end of her, or the, after she'd become a superstar, yeah. she, she, she decided that she was going to do um, songs that her father and family had sung when she was a child. Yeah. And it was called Los Conciones de Mi Padre. Mm. And it still to this day is the biggest selling non-English record in the history of the record business and uh, so linda is, is a superstar here and it, 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 it to both caucasian people and and you know everybody you know knows her in, in that community but she crossed over into the mexican community and i don't think a lot of them knew that she was a superstar in pop music yeah. Yeah. and uh so this was an opportunity to combine the two uh, musical styles and and um, and to re- reflect on her, her her heritage, you know. And she she does that, and you you capture that very well in the film. I like the uh, archival footage you found. Was that from the Today Show with uh, Jane, Jane Pauley? Pauley. Yeah, yeah. The, the way the interview goes at first, it's a little bit uncomfortable, and it kind of reminds me. It's kind of a. It takes a bit of a tone at the beginning that's not that dissimilar, actually, to things I remember. From, from that time period, even well-meaning people not really understanding what it means to be Mexican or Mexican-American. Right. I mean, it was, you... it was, there was a little bit of edge there. Yeah. And, and, and Linda looked at her and she said, she said well, you're... This is you're, Spain. Uh, huh? It's, she this said, is this Spain, Spain or something like that. And, you know, and she said, so you're, you're half Mexican. And she said, oh, yeah. no, actually, I'm Mexican. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it yeah. was very, it was, it, she didn't mean to be dismissive, but it came off that way. It, it does. I think, yeah, she goes back, she says, how far back do you have to go until you find Spanish in your family or something like that? Right. You know, it's exactly. like, you know, and yeah. you're like, oh, come on. I mean, you know, um, and it's, uh, I won't name names. I've, I've got family members who still refer to uh, people of, who are Mexican American as Spanish, you know, or, or something like that. But uh I mean, so you've told us how this came about, which is very interesting. So uh, you've also mentioned, uh, uh, I th- I'm going to stumble over this name during the entire podcast, but uh, Los Sensontles. Los Sensontles. Sensontles. Which means, um, in Spanish, it means the mockingbirds. Yes. So that's where Linda and the mockingbirds comes from. It, could, it, it would be kind of a tongue twister to say Linda and Los Sensontles. Yes. So... So it's Linda and the Mockingbirds, and then you know, parenthetically, it's yes. uh, right. Listen, so so they um, so what? Um, I mean, that's on its own is an amazing story. What what what's happening there? Um, well, 
you, it is an amazing story about a guy who came from Glendale and uh, yeah. Eugene Rodriguez and started playing music when he was a young man and then decided to dedicate his life to teaching music and, and cultural Mexican culture to uh, kids in, in, in Northern California. And he's, I think he's had around 5,000 kids go through his program. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and Linda saw him many years ago in, in San Francisco on the streets and, um, and they were just dancing and, at a, at, you know, and it, I can't remember exactly the, the square that they were dancing in. And mm. He didn't know who she was. And, and she said, yeah, and he, she said, oh, that's really good. And, and she, he said, thank you. And he said, and she, and she said, if you need any help, let me know. My name's Linda. <laughs> and he didn't know, he didn't know who she was. And later he found out, oh my, that was Linda Ronstadt. And, and she, so they became very good friends and have been so for many years. And so she, uh, she's a benefactor of the, of, of, of his project. Is that, is that basically she's, it? Yeah, she is a benefactor, but she's, she's one of many. I think that he has, a lot of support, but Linda has always felt that music and dance are very, very important, you know, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. When it's beautiful, and I think you, you capture beautifully the, uh, I know there's some ballet folklorico, there's some uh, traditional Mexican music, um, and it's just these, uh, I mean, I just, uh, I think the, the dresses and everything are just, just make for amazing um, cinematography, really. Yeah. Um, so you take a road trip to Sonora, Mexico, basically, and uh, Jackson Brown tags along. Is yep. That, and uh, and a and a bunch of Mexican American kids who sing and dance. Is that uh, that is you know how what was that like? It was fantastic. I mean, Jackson Brown. When I you know back in the day, he was my. I learned all his songs myself. So to actually be on on the journey with him, and uh, and, and at night we would sit sit around the dinner table and and he'd play all the songs of <laughs> that i loved and, yeah. and it, was, it was a musical it, it, it's kind of like i mean my brother my family and i always used to play music you know, yeah. and, and uh, at, at night you know instead of we didn't have video games in those days so we you know it was music and um and it was the same spirit joe and and pete ronstadt were on the trip and eugene and all the musicians and so music was Mm. Was there all the time, and so it was very special. And Jackson is a very dear friend of Linda's, and as he said in the film, I said, "How'd you how'd you go on the trip?" And he said, "Well, when, well, Linda Ron said ask you to go to Mexico, you go, you know." <laughs> so they used to they used to tour together, you know. Yeah. You, you know. I, I think she mentions that at one point, either one of them would always be hung over or something the next day or something to that effect. I doubt it was Linda. I Linda. don't think it was Linda. <laughs> I don't think it was Linda. Yeah. Um, and so this, you had this amazing journey. Uh, and like any journey, there's, um, you, you interweave many, uh, many stories. And, and the more you unpeel the onion, the more you find some interesting uh um, things about the different, uh, particularly the people that are part of this uh, this group. Um, so Eugene, who's uh, got, as you've you've mentioned, this guy from Glendale who started this. Um, you've got uh, Lucina Rodriguez, who uh, I mean, that was a very compelling story. And did you know that you were going to get that story before you went on well, the, on the trip? I knew that, I mean, Eugene had told me, she said, you know, you, you, you might want to talk to some of these guys. Yeah. Um, 
that he told me her story that she'd come when she was a child and he told me Fabiola's story and, you know, um, they were very reluctant to, to talk about it because I guess it did create some emotional, mm -hmm. uh, uh, memories that were kind of unpleasant, but at any rate, he told me the story and I said, and I talked to her and I said, let's, it was actually the first day of shooting that we went down to the border. Yeah. And, and it was at that time, the news was really, really strident um, and, and maligning of Mexicans. And uh, um, so that was the first day of shooting. And when you see that wall, it, it, it that, that picture tells a thousand words, you know, yeah. and, uh, and so I, I didn't know her story and, and that's part of what making documentaries of course, is that, you know, it's, as you said, peeling the onion, yeah. you know, you don't it's like sculpting. You, you start with a stone and you just keep peeling it away and mm -hmm. it reveals itself. And that's kind of what the journey was. I, um, it started with her and it just continued with and interviewing for the families and Eugene and discovering, discovering the humanity of these people mm -hmm. and in a way that completely offset the kind of stuff that we were hearing in the news yeah. and the kind of images that were being portrayed. Mm -hmm. And um, I think hopefully people, when they see it, will be touched by the fact that these people are us. There is no difference here. And the fact that somebody is preaching that they're different, that they're this or they're that, and they're marginalizing people and people in Europe, of course, there's, you guys have immigration issues over there too. And I'm sure yeah. there, there are issues with certain individuals. Yeah. But that's true in any, any group. Yeah. But you don't want to marginalize groups too because they're different. They're different yeah. races or religions or anything else. It's just. Yeah. yeah no, I, I think, I think you, uh, I mean, it's interesting. I, I will, will, Maybe after the break, I'll go a little more into that because this, uh, in terms of how you approached approached it. But I think it's um, it is. I mean, um, uh, I mean, I don't think you're you're calling for uncontrolled immigration or anything like that. It's just for people to be treated humanely and well, stop being vilified. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you know, we need to have we need to have structure. Yeah. We need to have. We need to know. Who, who, when, and where people are coming into the country, and we need to treat them humanely. Our country is built, everybody's an immigrant, really, yeah. in the United States, you know, and and uh, and we all bleed the same way, put our pants on the same way, you know, yeah. and the fact that, that we have a, that racism is being perpetuated by, uh, yeah, is is very unfortunate, and I don't yeah. think the world in the future is going to be able to tolerate it too well because it's going to cause a lot of problems. The, it causes, the, yeah. I, I mean, as someone who's got, I think you have children as well, but I, as someone who's got children, I, I'm noticing that I, I don't think they're going to tolerate it either. No, you know, the future no. generations just don't see, don't understand this. Well, it's because, well, fortunately, you and me and have been, have are are teaching them. Yeah. That that's not acceptable, yeah. you know, that, that, and it's not accepted. We don't behave that way. It's yeah. not like, do as I say, we, we do that, that we behave yeah. that way. We don't, you know, we don't allow that. And, you know, so. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, I mean, uh, I just thought occurred to me, you were talking, uh, well, we were talking about these, these stories. And then um, uh, as part of this, you, um, 
uh, going back to Jackson Brown, the, you have this song, uh, is that Dreamer? That's, yep. Is that an original song that's, uh, I mean, he says he does play it at concerts, but uh, I hadn't heard it before. Is that, uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's a beautiful song. He uh, wrote the song with Eugene yeah. about Lucina and her journey. The song is about the girl that we interview at the board. Yeah. It's one of the teachers who came across as a child to be with her father, who was in the United States, with her mother and her, her, uh, uh, her brother. Uh, and it's, it's her song. It's about her and her journey. So, okay. Well, you know what? I'm, uh, and we can always edit this out. I'm going to hope that maybe we can, uh, uh, after I, we get off this podcast, I'll be back in touch with the people at Shout. And maybe we can listen to a little clip of that. Uh, I think that would be very nice. Um, but... Um, in terms of, you know, these, okay, so uh, people watch the film. I'm not going to tell you what uh, Lucina says about her experience. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a very compelling. Um, one thing I was going to ask you, and I'll cut to it now, is you go straight, uh, I mean, you, you go straight to the children and ask them questions, which I found very, uh, very interesting. Was that intentional? I mean, you, you, you have these different families that, uh, and obviously their children are in, as part of the group and are on this trip. And then you ask them how they feel. Yes, I do ask the children how they feel because, you know, again, we don't want to marginalize another group called kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, kids, you know, kids have, they're very, they're generally very honest yeah. and they, they say what they, they feel if they trust you. Yeah. And, uh, I've always taught my kids, I said, what do you, what's going on, man? Yeah. And, and they'll answer it. And the kids in this case, when, when they felt that the safety of their parents, when they were there, surrounded by their parents and their yeah. parents were talking and they felt it was safe and they, mm-hmm. and they could say what they really felt. And it was very, very powerful what they said. Uh, I agree. I mean, very mature. I think it was well done later. Uh, I think one of the parents said, look, I, we, are have, we have to have these conversations with our children, even if they're only five years old. It's just the reality of the situation. So they seem to be, um, well, extremely mature. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, it's kind of like the thing that uh, in this country, we, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement that's yeah. going on right now, um, <clears throat> When a lot of the African Americans are interviewed, even even guys that are sports stars or, or yeah. music, when they're away from the stage and they're driving down the street, they have been taught by their parents that they they better be they they better you know keep their hands up and they better be very polite because bad things can happen to them. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, the kids were, were taught by their their parents that these things could happen. And the boy is talking about how his father was taken away from him and, and when he was a little boy and it scared him to death, you know. And um, um, that's what the mother was referring to, that we need to have these conversations so that they understand what can happen here, you know. I mean, you have – it's unfortunate. I mean, it's a frightening, a frightening thing to have the ICE agents, you know. You never know. And they can pick up the wrong people. They, they've done it many times. And, again – I'm not for open borders and I'm not trying to, yeah. to, to, diminish, to diminish the presence of people doing their jobs, but it's a pretty scary thing that, you know, I mean, white people don't have that problem. Yeah. They just don't, you yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not worried that somebody's going to come in my house and say, Hey man, you gotta go, you gotta go home. Well, I am. Home. 
and you know it, it's just it's unfortunate yeah i think let's i think that's uh it's a bit early but let's uh let's go to a break and if we're lucky maybe we'll also uh people uh our listeners will be able to hear a little bit of some of the music uh some of this amazing music that's uh in this film uh linda and the mockingbirds so let's uh let's take a break now you're listening to factual america subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on facebook instagram or twitter at alamo pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Maybe it's genetic memory, but I feel very at home when I go to Mexico. I hope it makes the kids feel like they have more of an understanding of who they are, why they're important, why they should never be rendered invisible or without their dignity. This is where a lot of deportees walk along this wall here. I was born and raised in Mexico. My dad was in the United States, so he wanted the rest of the family to join him. We had to cross the border illegally. At the end of my show, I do a song called I'm a Patriot, when I say, and I ain't no white supremacist and the place just roars. Because who would be a white supremacist in this country? This country's not white. It was not founded to be white. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm with James Keach, director and producer of Linda and the Mockingbirds. Uh, Los Senzones, both honors and upends traditional Mexican music tapping deep roots as it flowers into something completely new and distinctly American. That is from the New York Times. Um, James, had you had much interaction with uh, Mexican or Mexican-American culture before you, you did this film? Yes, I, I mean, I, I, I grew up in uh, my first 10 years of my life in South Texas. Did you? So, what, where were you in South Texas? Well, do you know where Taft, Texas is? Taft? No. 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 Do you know where Sinton, Texas is? Sinton? Sinton. Okay. Yeah, you know I mean. Where, do you know where Corpus is? I know where Corpus, and I know okay. you're getting close to the king. You're getting towards, like, the King Ranch sort of down that direction. Right. Well, Taft was a town of about 2,500 people in between Sinton and Corpus. So, you know, and I, I, my grandmother lived there and my, I, I I was there. My dad was doing a television show called Tales of the Texas Rangers. And so for all that time, so I was there with my grandmother and Salome and his family were some of her best friends. And we used to have Mexican food all the time. And he was there all the time. And, we were all we were very close. So, yes, uh, you know, but it, at the same time, um, Salome lived on one side of town. Yeah. And black people lived on another side of town. And yeah. the white people lived in the middle. And it was always something that really bothered me. Yeah. I didn't quite understand why we all weren't together. Mm. And, um, and uh, so, 
but I was very close to children and his family and uh, played sports together and, you know, but it was segregated, unfortunately. And, and, and it's always bothered me. You know, I would say if they can make, if, if these folks can make dinner, why can't they sit down at the dinner table with us? Yeah. And then it just wasn't done at that time back in the, back in those days. And, and, uh, you know. And as a fellow South Texan, I can add, I may be the generation, I don't know, we're not, not separated by that many years, but I may be the next generation. And, and yes, maybe it wasn't official, things weren't officially segregated, uh, but you still had north side of San Antonio was white, east side was where the, the black community was, and west and south side were the, were the Hispanic uh, community. And it was... Um, you know, I'm not proud of things that I've heard and, you know, uh, while, while people I think were starting to celebrate the culture more, even then, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of things that were shouted out of school bus windows to construction sites and things like that, that uh, I just uh, recoil in horror at, you know, so it's, it's kind of been one of these, uh, it's another, it's probably another podcast, Texas and South Texas's relationship with its, uh, its uh, Mexican roots. But um, um, one thing you know, we were—I think that's true. You know, it, 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 you know, if you—I mean, it wasn't so long ago that the Civil War took place. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it seemed. I mean, you're in Europe. I mean, you go to yeah. Europe and you, yeah. you look around. To two hundred years is nothing. Yeah. And 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 uh, uh, so the domestication that occurred in families, you know, mm. and societal domestication was. You know, it wasn't good, and and hopefully in this in our lifetime and our children's lifetime, you know, equality will happen. And, and but like I said, it always bothered me when I it's bothered me my whole life, and I've tried very hard to make movies that that celebrate the humanity of everybody. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just uh, yeah, I think I think I very mean, much. I, I think that's know. what your film does. I I think that's the best way of putting it. It's it's if. If, if nothing else, it's a celebration of humanity. Um, I think one thing we were already talking about, it's, it's almost kind of the elephant in the room, but I mean, you've, you've, you've talked about uh, ICE agents and things, but uh, the, there's a backdrop that's interesting because when I saw the press around this and the trailer, um, you know, you, 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 you couldn't blame maybe someone for thinking this might be a bit of a hard-hitting polemic, but it's anything but. Um, there's this backdrop that... Uh, okay, you go through the wall, by the wall and everything, but it's not like you are regaling us with loads of statistics about family detentions and, and zero tolerance policies. Was that, uh, was that intentional on your part? Yes, it was. It was very intentional. I don't want to give them any, I don't want to give that any more power. I don't want to create more conversation around the, 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 the disastrous immigration policies that uh, I've been employed, you know, and the yeah. behavior. Like I said, I'm I'm for immigration, uh, you know, uh, uh, laws, and but yeah. I don't want to give I don't want to give that ugliness any more juice. Yeah. There's no I don't want to reinforce it. Nor do I nor do I want to give them any more screen time. Mm. They've had enough. It's enough of that. Yeah. Well, I think I I, I think that's a very good point. I think that's it's made in the movie when. Um, uh, Jack, we already referred to this the, that song "Dreamer," where Jackson Brown had some lyrics in his head that had been rolling around for thirty years or something, and Eugene kind of helped him flip it around instead of talking about what 
what we've, you know, these individuals, why not focus on someone like Lucina, which is what I think sure. makes that uh, such a, uh, a, a compelling, compelling song. I mean, I guess for our listeners, just so, I mean, just so we can set the stage a little bit. I mean, what we are talking about is obviously um, a policy was implemented around 2016, 17 that resulted in, uh, those being detained at the border and then families, a concert, it wasn't just uh, by accident, it was a concerted policy that families would be separated uh, and children were removed from their parents, never to possibly see them again uh, in some horrible conditions. Um, I mean, this has been a crazy year. Are, are you, we don't really hear too much about it anymore. Um, uh, do, are you aware of it's, is it still going on? Um, yes, it's definitely still going on. In fact, the, it's getting, it's very intense right now, but because of the political climate in our country, you know, um, it's not getting the press. The coronavirus is getting the press. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, every day there's something new, there's something crazier, yeah. you know, going on and that gets the press. And the other thing is kind of pushed, pushed aside, you know, um, yeah. And that's unfortunate, but uh, that's the reality of our, our <laughs> of our world right now. Yeah. So, if we can, I mean, so what is this film really all about in in your mind? It's a celebration of life, yeah. celebration of of uh, of everybody, you know of of the commonality of, uh, of, of our journeys on this earth. And that, uh, that we must, you know, you, you look at people the way we look at our children, we look at other people and it's not, we're not, we're not different. You know, we might look different, but we're really not. And, and it's about values. It's a movie about values and it's hopefully it's uplifting. As you said, you know, I'm, we, we have enough darkness every day in the news and the songs, the music tells the dark stories, which is a which is an interesting mm. way to do it. The yeah. songs tell speak of 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 the uh, the darkness, yeah. you know. And yet the songs are still celebratory because, again, as Shakespeare said, music is the fruit of love. So um, yeah. that's what we tried to do. I mean, I think uh, if I would add to that, I think it captures well the immigrant experience, what it means to be American. Um, I mean, one thing I was going to ask you is what struck you most when you were, interv when you were uh, interviewing and filming these people? You ask, them, um, you ask them a lot of questions about values, which I, I thought was interesting. In my pidgin Spanish, I could understand what they were saying before it got translated. But it was very, um, um, it was amazing how often they said the same two or three words. Respect was the one they said yep. over. We respect, we, we respect each other and other people. And we work hard. Work hard. We work hard, you know, and... And, and uh, family. Yeah, and family. Yep. I mean, those that, are the three things. Just, and, you know, those are, the, those are all the things, those are the values that we all should have. Yeah. And many, many of us do have, I think, yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, uh, again, and I, I just, just to say thank you so much for making the film, I think it's... Uh, um, I, I do think for those who are not familiar, uh, it's easy for me to forget that most people aren't familiar with Mexican or Mexican-American culture or haven't had any interaction with it. Uh, 
I think it's def, you know it's a great introduction to that to that culture, um, if you will. Um, I mean, if you don't mind, I, was, I was thought we might because um, uh, we'll get back to the film at the towards the end. But uh, just uh, some questions. Uh, take advantage of the fact that I've got you here, uh, uh, James. Uh, I mean, you've you come from a relatively famous family of actors, but uh, why did you move to, you know, what was the move about moving into producing and directing? I mean, I know that's been a while ago, but uh, what, what led you in that direction? Well, when I was at the Yale Drama School many years ago, and I always, I, my brother was there. As a, as he was one of my yeah. teachers, believe it or not. Oh, you God. Know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and he would always ask me to, uh, and, and he was also in the professional company there. And, they, and, and uh, so he would have me come to the theater and watch him do his, his rehearsals. And then he'd say, what do you think? What do you think? And I started, and, and he, he said, well, you'd be a great director. You know, and I said, well, I, I really like directing. He also was encouraging me to be an actor, you know, so we did, we, Stacy and I did several movies together yeah. as actors. But I really, and then one time he was actually directing uh, this little short film, and I went in and I, I was watching them edit, and I thought, man, this is so cool. This is so cool, you, you know, putting stories together in the cinema and the photography. And I, uh, I think I was in my 20, early 20, maybe not even 20. Yeah. And um, I always wanted to do it. And so the came a point where I, I, my friends who were executives, I, I had a pretty good career as an actor. Yeah. And they said, you better get going with this directing thing if you're going to do it. Because, you know, it, time, you don't have so much. So I, at about 38 years old, I started directing. And uh, I've done a lot of directing since. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we won't go through the filmography, but uh, you've done a lot of, I guess, mostly it's narrative. But what has drawn you to documentaries? Because you've done well, a few of those. Yeah, I did a documentary uh, years ago for uh, the Red Cross. It, that was the first one I did. And um, it was about vaccinating uh, kids in Africa. You know, they said, would you go over and do this? And, and uh, it, was, it was quite an experience to see, uh, be part, part of a million kids getting vaccinated for the measles, mm. you know. And, and uh, so... That was an interesting experience. And then I made a movie, uh, I produced a movie called Walk the Line, and it was about Johnny Cash. And that was the first musical film that I did. And um, right after that, my son Johnny um, was recording with a guy named Julian Raymond, who also did the score for Los Ensoles. And and, uh, Johnny was 13 at the time. And Julian was working, he was at Warner Brothers, and he was working with... uh, Johnny on music. Johnny is a very talented kid. And um, he was, Julian was producing Glenn Campbell's records. And he said, James, would you, would you do a, a, a show about Glenn Campbell? I said, I, I don't think I want to do another narrative uh, musical. We just did that. And he said, no, Glenn's got Alzheimer's. And I, then I thought, I really don't want to do that. That sounds <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 was scared, I was scared to even say the word Alzheimer's. And then, and then Julian said, just meet him, okay? And so Glenn was brought over to the house with his wife, Kim, and, and uh, mm. he was so funny. And he said, uh, Kim said, Jim, James, uh, Glenn, talk to James about your Alzheimer's. And Glenn goes, I don't got no Alzheimer's. I got part-timers. And then Glenn says, when a man findeth a good woman, he findeth a good thing. I found me a good thing. He points at Kim. 
and I could just tell this guy was, he loved his wife and he was funny. And, and so they said, you know, it's only going to be a five weeks tour, you know, turned out to be 171 shows, two and a half years of filming. And that led me to, and that, that film was very successful. And then, and then that started me on making documentaries and people start calling and saying, would you do this? Would you do that? And, And here we are. And so that's how you got into music in particular, because it's, it's like you said, you had Johnny Cash, Glenn Campbell, Alinda Ronstadt. I think you're even executive producer in a David Crosby yeah. uh, doc. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, what is, is there something that about music particularly that has really well, caught your attention? I think, I think the storytelling, you know, music is in and of itself, the storytelling in, in songs and in music mm-hmm. is, is, uh, it's a great way to tell a story without just sitting there talking about it. And it's not, it's not actors. It's not, but I liked making because of my narrative background as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like doing documentaries with character that are character driven. Yeah. And uh, as opposed to archival documentaries yeah. and, you know, um, and uh, all documentaries about dead people. I like doing documentaries yeah. about living people, but yeah. you know, so anyway, it's, it, it, you know, documentaries, you learn about yourself. That's the thing. You, when you get to talk to somebody, it's, it's like your job, too. You, I'm sure yeah. that when you interview people, yeah. you start learning about, you know, things in yourself that you didn't know, that you identify with that person. And mm. it makes it for an interesting conversation. And that's kind of what making a documentary is. In, certainly in terms of the interview process, you learn things about them. And hopefully you're learning something about yourself and you can impa- in, inform the audience of things that you were curious about. And hopefully they were too. And yeah. they, they, they go away with something that they didn't have before they start watching it. And I guess you learn that you have that knack for asking or being curious about things that other people are going to be curious about as well. Otherwise you're making something that no one's going to end up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a very curious guy, you know, and, <laughs> and as, as somebody once said, in your choice lies your talent, you yeah. know, so, yeah. it's good. Do you think, I mean, this is, uh, and you say you use your narrative uh, background. Do you, people are calling this a golden age of documentaries. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. I think so. I think, I think, um, I think again, it's back to, to learning about other human beings experience, true experiences and how they overcame their obstacles. Patty Chayefsky, a great writer used to say, who is your hero? What does he or she want and what's preventing them from getting it? And that's a good formula for narrative films. And it's a great formula for documentaries, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, even when you're making, you know, negative documentaries about people that are bad people. You still want to know who they are and what did they want and what was, you know, they decided to murder somebody and what was preventing them from getting it, that good cop, you know, you know, it's, it's, so, I mean, I think the formula works Mm. on all levels, but I think the golden age of documentaries is, is is because there's so many, because of the internet, because of social media, because we know there's so many interactions with other people and they, we realize that there's such a difference between, human the human experience there's so many different 
human experiences that are different than ours that we're curious about. And, and until, you know, now that we have the ability to film, you, you know, here we are talking, you're in Leeds and I'm in, I'm in Culver city and yeah. we're doing a zoom call. We can now learn about each other in a way that yeah. we, we couldn't do it before. And we're, and those of us that are curious uh, tune into those things. Yeah. And I think what's amazing, you know, for all of us who might have thought, well, all the stories have been told, how increasingly we're discovering that actually we just haven't been paying very close attention. And there's so many stories that haven't been told. And I think this Linda Ronstadt one is an interesting one, you know, um, and even to this day, as you said, how many people know that she's got these, these Mexican roots? Right. Exactly. You know, and that was right in front of our eyes. It was on TV. It's documented. I mean, she put the, put the album out, you know, I mean, some of us, I mean, I remember that album. That was huge. Uh, I was still in South Texas back in San Antonio, at least. And uh, that was, that was, that was huge uh, in the Mexican American uh, community. Um, But, you know, and I I see this with, uh, you know, and even the younger documentary filmmakers, they're just, they're, they're looking, I mean, every, every week it's, I'm blessed. I will say that I get to part of my job is to, uh, to watch doc, doc, great documentaries and talk to people about them because, uh, you know. I think social relevant films, you know, that's the, the, the young documentary people, that, that a lot of that is, is social consciousness. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's where a lot of the films are being made now, you know. Yeah. So, um, well, Glenn, what is your favorite Glenn Campbell song? Well, it's a, not a very famous one. It's The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Oh, I'm going to have to look that one up. Jimmy Webb wrote it. It's, 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 it's just, it, it was, I think it's special to me because when we, when we were filming it, I, was, I would always shoot, the, I, was, when I was on the stage with Glenn mm. shooting close-ups, and whenever he would sing the song, it would just, uh, it would get me. I mean, I love all his classic songs, of course, but... For some reason, that one emotionally, I think it was just the connection that he and I had when he was when we were filming. But you know, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I haven't had it. I actually haven't seen that doc. I'm definitely going to go find it and, and watch it because uh, he's quite an interesting individual. He's not who a lot of people probably think he is um, or was. Unfortunately, he's still like it. I mean, it was it won three Grammys, nominated for Academy Award. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, you think? You think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what is for you? What's what's next in terms of projects? Well, we're working on a Glenn Campbell, the narrative film, like Walk the Line. Okay, we're we're casting casting that now. Um, wow. I'm working on. Uh, I've been asked to do Greg Allman. Really? And, yes, and so oh. we're we're working on that and. Um, and uh, a band called Alabama, we're taught, they've taught, you know, this is, yep. yeah. And uh, so, so there's some really cool stories out there about those guys. And uh, I'm working on uh, several narrative films. And, uh, and um, this might sound, you know, in, in, I don't know if it'll be interesting to you, but it is to me, but doing a series on pain. Pain? On pain. Mm-hmm. Every kind of pain that you can imagine. You know, and the and the journey of that we all go through from the time we're born, coming out screaming, to the 
to the end. So it's adolescent pain, it's old age, it's the pain of opiates and dealing with it, it's emotional pain, it's PTSD. It's, it's the journey that we all go through, but giving people that experiential thing of how people get through it, how they deal with it, um, and um, having compassion and empathy for those people suffering from it. So I have a, this is a whole science thing that I like to yeah. do too. So okay. I just think that you know, it's an interesting area. And that's that's what's driving this. You just uh, n- not that you currently are in, in a lot of pain. You just no, uh, no. <laughs> but uh, no, that's very interesting because it's one of these. Uh, it's a topic people don't want to talk about, really. Correct, but I think that people will be very interested to know about it. Yeah, if you do it in a way that is character driven, that is about great about people. You know, it's like. If you look at Winston Churchill, let's say, and the pain that he was in, or yeah. Franklin Roosevelt and how he dealt with it, then, yeah. you know, you can use, and normal people, regular everyday people, or sports heroes, or soldiers, or, you know, the, you know it's, a, if it, it's a different kind of storytelling, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a, another documentary area that, I, you know, it's a very specific subject, you know, it might not be as, it, it, it's not a music star, but it's certainly a big word. <laughs> it's, it's certainly a big subject, you know. And you, and given what you said earlier, you don't want to make films about dead people. I mean, are you going to have living people? As if you have you sketched it out already? Do you know how the series is going to? I'm uh, kind of we're working on it right now. I'm not going yeah. to talk to cadavers if that's what you mean. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, they they don't talk back. No, they don't, and oh. hopefully they're not in pain. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, we'll be on the lookout for that. That sounds that sounds amazing. Um, well, I was just looking up the Ullman Brothers the other day. Um, I, I won't. You can't say I'm sure, but trying to cast Glenn Campbell—that's going to be an interesting one. Um, yeah, but I'm sure you have someone in mind that you're talking to. We have a few people in mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if we. Then maybe I, I, it's hard to believe. I think we're coming sort of kind of to the end of our, our time together. But uh, uh, let's bring it back to uh, Linda and the Mockingbirds. Um, what's uh, what would be one of the what is the lasting message you want people to take away from this film when they finally do see it? I think the lasting message is to carry the message of the film, yeah. which is to you know promote equality to promote compassion to promote empathy you know and to and and to celebrate celebrate the 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 music and culture of others as well and your own culture yeah yes and speaking of that uh not my own culture necessarily but uh in terms of los sensores uh how can we listen to more of their of their fantastic music is there is there any go to their website losinsolis.com excellent well you heard it here uh i just want to thank you james for coming onto the podcast it's been a it's it's been an uh an honor to to meet you and to talk about this great um great 60 perfect 60 minutes of a doc i would say um and um to remind our listeners, we've been talking with James Keach, director and producer of Linda and the Mockingbirds. Also want to give a shout out to This Is Distorted Studio in Leeds, England. Please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. And this is Factual America. 
signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.